May the 4th be with you. For a lot of techies out there, not Trekkies, but techies, today is a special kind of holiday. And for a lot of Bitcoiners, today you might know that it's also Hal Finney's birthday, who would have been 66 years old today. And for us here at the Bitcoin Bulletin Podcast, it is DCA Wednesday. Are you ready to get your stack on? This podcast is for information and entertainment purposes only. Nothing on this podcast should be construed as financial advice. All views expressed on this podcast are solely the opinions of the host and or any guests that we might have from time to time. Nothing on this podcast should be construed as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or to follow a particular investing strategy. sexy sat stackers and welcome to the latest episode of the bitcoin bulletin podcast dca wednesday edition today is wednesday may 4th 2022 and before we get into it i just once again want to take time out to thank those of you who have been supporting us by streaming us sats on your favorite podcasting 2.0 app as you know our our podcast is available on podcasting 2.0 apps such as the fountain app and the breeze wallet uh, or whatever your favorite podcasting 2.0 application is. If you're not familiar with podcasting 2.0, uh, it's a new way to listen to and to fund podcasts. Think of it a little bit as tipping a street musician when you're you know, in New Orleans or wherever you are, Key West, Austin, and there's a great performer sitting on the side of the road and he's got his hat out or his tin cup. You can listen for free, but if you really appreciate the guy, you can throw a couple coins into the tin cup. And that's what Podcasting 2.0 is. It allows you to stream sats either on a per minute basis, for example. You can set up to stream one sat per minute for your favorite podcasts. And or um, you can still listen to apps for free, but you can also hit a boost button if, if, uh, if, you're, particularly, if you're particularly enjoying an episode or somebody says something you really agree with, you can hit the boost button and tip um, a certain number of sats. I think the default on Fountain App is 500 sats. Um, again, that's customizable and completely optional. Uh, and the reason I'm bringing this up is because at least one of you out there has been anonymously streaming us sats. Uh, it says they've been listening on the Breeze Wallet, and that's all I know. But thank you, whoever that is, and to whoever else out there is considering listening to us and supporting us through Podcasting 2.0. Uh, that's really awesome. I did not expect to see that when I opened the uh, Fountain app the other day and saw that there were sats coming in and that was just that was just really cool all right real quick let's get into those vital statistics as you know it is may the 4th and that is kind of a nerd holiday out there for many of us that like to celebrate us big star wars fans i'm old enough that i actually sat in line to watch the original star wars back when it was only showing at one theater in town and it was a lot like waiting to get on a roller coaster you you sat in line and waited until there was enough space for you to get into the next show. And we sat out, line, sat out in line all day. And we did it twice in a row because it was just that amazing. It was, uh, it was really a big deal when, when it first came out. So anyway, uh, happy May the 4th be with you. And we currently find ourselves this May the 4th at a block height of 734,925. 
and Bitcoin is doing fairly well. It is at $39,725, and that is almost $2,000 more than it was just Sunday when we did our weekend update edition. Currently, um, one cuck buck will get you 2,517 sats. If you have shiny metal rocks that you want to trade in for Bitcoin, currently one Bitcoin will cost you 21.1 ounces of gold, and one Bitcoin will buy you 2,381 Papa John's pizzas. It will also score you, well, a barrel of oil will currently cost you 277,876 sats, and while the U.S. dollar cost of oil is up about $3 a barrel this week, it is actually down in sat terms. Last, last Sunday, a barrel of oil would have cost you 281,887 sats, and today you can score that barrel of oil for only 277,876 sats. For those that pay attention to the market cap uh, statistic, Bitcoin is back up to a market capitalization of 750. Six billion. That is significantly better than the 722.9 billion on Sunday, and even better than the 740.1 billion we were sitting at a week ago Wednesday. And that, of course, is reflective of the fact that Bitcoin's price is up a little bit and that there are more Bitcoin out there because, as you know, market cap is a function of the value, the total value of all Bitcoin in, existent at, in existence at the current price. It has been 175 days since Bitcoin set its all-time high of $69,000. That means we're down 42.4%. Again, a little better than Sunday, um, but, uh, you know, down 42% from the all-time high. But still, hey, that's $39,725 a coin, and that's not too shabby, considering often point, oftentimes at this point in the four-year halving cycle, uh, we're looking at more like an 80% correction. Uh, so um, fingers crossed, that also means Bitcoin could fall significantly more if, uh, if, if history repeats itself. So uh, it remains to be seen whether, quote unquote, this time is different, whether this bull run isn't even over yet, or whether... Uh, whether history is going to repeat and we're going to be in a crypto winter until the 2024 having i do not have a crystal ball there are plenty of people out there who pretend they have crystal balls and none of them appear to be in agreement uh, and those differences of opinion are apparently widening and we'll get into that a little bit later on currently the mempool is jam-packed it's going to take 19 blocks to clear that is the first time we've seen anything like that in a while there's 14,937 transactions pending, and that is even taken into account that when I first started looking at the stats, uh, three blocks came in in rapid succession. Uh, we had a new block, and then 21 seconds later we had a new block, and then 36 seconds uh, later we had this current block, so it was boom, boom, boom. But there's still enough transactions out there that it's going to take 19 more blocks just to clear out the pending transactions. That being said, one sat per byte transactions will still clear within a day, although the recommended sat per byte to guarantee you're in the next block is up to 12 sats per block. That was only seven sats per block on Sunday, eight sats per block last Wednesday. So fees are marching up. In fact, it has been uh, more than a month since we've seen fees this high, although 
For those of you who remember 2017 and 2018, even 12 sats per uh, 12 sats per bite is a freaking bargain. All right, most of you know that my favorite metric out there is the 24-hour transaction rate, and that is down. In fact, it's even down from Sunday. Weekends tend to usually trend lower. There's a lot less activity on weekends, and that's because even though Bitcoin trades 24 hours a day, seven days a week, with increasing institutional adoption, that trading often happens on bankers' hours, Monday through Friday, market hours. So at least that's my opinion or what I've noticed. Um, so oftentimes it's down on the weekend. So 2.84 transactions per second on Sunday wasn't too shabby, even though I like to see transaction volume above three transactions per second. I usually base that on weekday volume. Today, however, we're down a tiny bit from Sunday even at 2.83 transactions per second, uh, which seems kind of surprising considering the mempool is so clogged up. But then again, that is an average volume over the last 24 hours, uh, 24 hour average rate. So uh, maybe everybody held back on their transactions until they were gonna find out what the Fed did. And then once the Fed decision was announced, uh, the floodgates opened. I don't know, I wasn't paying that close attention to the mempool today, had other things going on, but at the moment, we're looking at 2.83 transactions per second, and that is a lot weaker than last Wednesday when we were at 3.29 transactions per second. And again, that's on-chain transactions. That doesn't take into account people swapping IOUs back and forth on their exchanges or using the Lightning Network, other than, of course, opening and closing channels. We are now 914 blocks away from the next network difficulty increase, and it is going to be an increase. It looks like at this point it's going to be an increase anywhere between 4.32 to 5.1%. Uh, just on Sunday, that was only going to be a 1.7 to 3.5% increase. So you can see that uh, network difficulty, obviously that hash rate is increasing because blocks are coming in faster and faster, and the network's going to do what it takes to make sure that it averages 10 minutes a block. And currently... Uh, the network is averaging 9 minutes and 30 seconds per block. So um, that is significantly faster than the 9 minutes and 39 seconds just on Sunday. Uh, so definitely more hash rate is coming online. Uh, maybe some of those newer machines are getting delivered, or maybe some of the machines that got unplugged uh, popped back online when Bitcoin's price uh, went back up or when the quote-unquote market certainty or clarity um, came into focus with the Fed's announcement this afternoon. All right. Well, despite all the doom and gloom out there, last week the news pretty much was fairly stellar. I mean, there was just a lot of great news out there, and there continues to be a lot of great news out there in Bitcoin land. But as you know, we like to get the bad news out of the way before we get to the good news. Uh, and, well, this is kind of the neutral news or not news at all, because as everyone expected, the Fed did raise interest rates this afternoon. They raised it by one half percent, which was exactly as predicted. What didn't happen is, however, is the market didn't crash and the price of Bitcoin didn't go down. Everything's up. Stocks are up across the board. Gold is up. Silver's up. Bitcoin's up. All the S coins are up. Uh, so this is kind of just the exact opposite of all the headlines a day ago predicting doom and gloom. For example, just yesterday there was an article in Forbes saying that, quote, Fed triggers stark $10,000 Bitcoin crash warning. 
uh, adding that the interest rate decision, quote, could come with a $9 trillion bombshell, uh, basically saying that this interest rate hike was going to drop Bitcoin, crash Bitcoin, possibly as low as to $10,000. Newsweek's headline was, quote, Bitcoin flat ahead of Fed decision, outlook bearish, with the article stating, quote, any hawkish Fed stance to drag Bitcoin and riskier assets further down. As I said, despite all that doom and gloom, there actually was a lot of good news, uh, good news all week. Um, in fact, most of the news out there is bullish AF. More on that on a bit in a bit, but first, uh, just a touch more doom and gloom. The CTV or check template verify controversy has not gone away. Uh, what originally started the controversy, of course, was that um, the developer was attempting to force this Bitcoin improvement proposal through using speedy trial. And, of course, that was called off. Um, as we said last week, that the developer, Jeremy Rubin, has decided that he was going to not use speedy trial. Maybe, uh, well, for whatever, he had his reasons. Um, maybe he wasn't feeling slighted anymore, or maybe he realized that he wasn't going to, uh, that the BIP was not going to succeed because there was a lot of outrage. Either way, there was lots of debate last week on whether or not it would cause or alleviate blockchain bloat particularly when it comes to Lightning Network Channel force closings. Um, That's different than the main concern. Well, the main concern was originally the way it was trying to be forced through through Speedy Trial. Then secondarily, the Covenant provision uh, was leading to a lot of concern that basically in lieu of just being able to use kind of almost, I don't want to use the term smart contract, that's Ethereum speak, but um, Covenants is what they were calling it, where you could... um, put stipulations on how the UTXO could be spent in the future. And they were billing that as like security guarantees. Like, for example, it'd be harder to steal your Bitcoin if you had it restricted as to where it could go next. Um, But it also opened up a whole can of worms, potentially, with Andreas Antonopoulos even pointing out that that could be a death knell to Bitcoin. Um, It could lead to whitelisting and blacklisting. You know, for example, an exchange could say that, you know, the UTXOs could only be sent to quote-unquote hosted wallets, which is, as you know, a term I absolutely can't stand. There is no such thing as a hosted wallet. Either you have your Bitcoin keys or someone else has the Bitcoin keys. But nonetheless, that was a concern. Um, And I think what it reemphasized for everybody is that changes to the Bitcoin code should be slow, slow, Pardon me, should be slow and methodical. Almost said, I don't know what I almost said, messing up my slows and my methodicals. The number one priority in Bitcoin should be not to F things up. You know, Michael Saylor has said this repeatedly is what gave him confidence in Bitcoin is the future of money, is that he knew that if anybody tried to come in and tweak it, if anybody tried to come in and make any, you know, rash changes or uh, hasty changes, that quote-unquote, the cyber hornets would come in and attack. And that is exactly what has happened. So, so far, so good. So I guess that's neither really bad news or good news. Um, But again, I don't think it's a change that there's any rush to implement into Bitcoin. You know, I'm not necessarily a fan of ossification. That word's come back into the lexicon again quite a bit. Should the Bitcoin code be frozen in time for all perpetuity and... Stephen Levera brought up a great point when he said, well, no, it, it shouldn't be ossified because there are changes that are going to have to be made. You know, times change, things change. 
Uh, there are, are going to be instances where not necessarily bugs come up, but where just Bitcoin Core needs to adapt because of changes in technology. And I don't think that's really what ossification means. Ossification, in my opinion, means uh, no new bells and whistles, that the core is what it is. Bitcoin is established as a base layer, that you don't mess with that protocol. Obviously, you can tweak it or fix any bugs that might crop up or any technological changes that need to be made in the future. But we don't need to add any bells and whistles. And we certainly don't need to add any bells and whistles that can be handled on a third layer. Um, but I am not a coder, and that is just my opinion. Also in the quote-unquote bad news, the Security and Exchange Commission is doubling its size of the Crypto Enforcement Division. Uh, and that is both bad news and laughable because by doubling it, it means they're adding 20 new people to their Enforcement Division. Uh, a lot of people see this as a crackdown on Bitcoin or crypto in general. However, other people have pointed out that this really means that they're gearing up to go after S-Coins because, as you know, Bitcoin is classified as a commodity, which means it doesn't fall under the jurisdiction of the Securities and Exchange Commission. However, things like Ethereum and certainly a lot of the other S-Coins out there, the altcoins, um, have been, well, there's no doubt about it, a good portion of them are securities. And so maybe they're gearing up to go after, after those. Uh, that being said, again, however, uh, there's, what, thousands and thousands and thousands of altcoins out there and other quote-unquote DeFi projects. So even 40 or 50 people going after 20,000 DeFi projects is laughable. Uh, but how the government always works is they hang somebody out to dry and make a tremendous example out of them, you know, drawing and quartering William Wallace, for example. You know, they didn't need to go after you know, everybody revolting against the king. They just made one heck of an example out of him and and uh, that put that to rest, right? So, and that's how the government does things. I mean, just look at Ross Albrecht, for example, serving two life sentences for writing software. And whether or not you support what he did, certainly he broke the law. There is no way around arguing that they did not um, effectually, effectively crucify him and make an example out of him saying that anybody that does this, look at, look at poor Ross. You know, he's going to spend the rest of his life rotting away in a supermax prison somewhere uh, in solitary confinement, uh, just being treated like worse than the Unabomber, basically, uh, for writing code. And that's how the government does it. So if you don't think they can make a heck of a shockwave go through the quote-unquote crypto community with only 40 or 50 people, uh, you wait and see. And, and that might be the next huge FUD storm that hits. And while it shouldn't really affect Bitcoin, if they go out and just crucify Solano or some other altcoin, um, that will probably be one of the things that definitely triggers the next crypto winner if we have one. Certainly, certainly is not a black swan event. You can see this one coming a million miles away. But ultimately, that will have no effect on Bitcoin. It will only make Bitcoin stronger. Um, and... Well, A, because there's nothing they can do to eliminate Bitcoin to actually stamp it out. But um, because, you know, when people see that a lot of these these uh, other projects out there are blatant scams, maybe some of that money will flow into the smarter investment, and that would be good for Bitcoin. Uh, the Bitcoin market cap is less than a trillion dollars, but the entire crypto market cap is somewhere around $2 trillion. So imagine all that flowing back where it belongs back into the one truly decentralized cryptocurrency, the one digital gold, the one money, the future. 
but that would be a significant boost to Bitcoin any way you slice it. So maybe that news isn't all doom and gloom, but again, a lot of that is speculation and we don't really know where that's going in the first place. In fact, the SEC itself even has uh, a schism, a division, a difference of opinion in how they should be going about this with everyone's favorite SEC commissioner, Hester Pierce, taking exception to this, tweeting earlier, quote, the SEC is a regulatory agency with an enforcement division, not an enforcement agency. Why are we leading with enforcement on crypto? So she's certainly taking exception to uh, how the SEC is gearing up to go after the crypto industry. And uh, obviously she isn't the chairman of the SEC, but she is a director, so she does have some say, uh, and she does have some influence over how this proceeds. Only time will tell. Plan B, infamous for his stock-to-flow model, tweeted just hours ago what I take as a hedge. Uh, it doesn't sound like he's necessarily backing down from his prediction, but he's certainly giving himself some wiggle room with his newest tweet, his latest tweet, just literally nine hours ago, saying, quote, Original 55K stock-to-flow model made in March 2019 seems to fit the current data better than the later 100K model update, but adding, quote, let's see what BTC will do in the next two years. So um, that seems to a lot of people to be backing out of his 100K stock-to-flow model, or at least giving him an out to wiggle out uh, later if that never comes to play. Previously, he had been sticking by the 100k stock to flow model saying that it didn't mean it was going to hit 100k at any specific time that that wasn't that it means that was an average of of the four years that it had to hit a level that it would mean that the average price divided by the four years would be 100k or whatever his most recent justification of his model was again he's the numbers guy i'm not he's certainly if he is who he says he is well he's an anon but if his if his resume is what it's believed it is, and if what it says he is, then obviously he's an expert and knows way more about this than I do. But I have always noticed that if you looked at his stock-to-flow charts recently, the stock-to-flow multiple, which is illustrated by the white dots at the bottom of his chart, seemed to clearly illustrate the theory of diminishing returns. Uh, it looks like it's pretty clearly following the four-year cycle, almost exactly how it always has every previous cycle, only smaller and smaller and smaller. Uh, and there have been a lot of people arguing that there are, would be diminishing returns, that each four-year cycle, the euphoric boom would not be as high. And there's logical reasons for that that don't just apply to Bitcoin. You know, um, a lot of people say that, uh, you know, the huge gains are over, they're behind us, it's never going to happen again. And that's not an all-or-nothing thing. It's not like saying, hey, you didn't get in on Amazon when it was, you know, brand new or you know, in 1990, whatever, and, and there will never be an opportunity like that again with Amazon per se, but that isn't the case with Bitcoin. Again, it's a deflationary asset, so it's unique. Uh, it is going to run in some sort of four-year cycle, regardless of whether or not um, that four-year cycle is less impactful each, each having uh, or not. The laws of supply and demand dictate that if supply is cut in half, then, the, you know, that's going to affect price. Um, but again, each time the minor reward is cut in half, the amount that it's diminishing by is decreasing. Obviously, when it went from 50 to 25, that was a 25 Bitcoin difference. And then when it went from 25 to 12 and a half, that was only a 12 and a half Bitcoin difference. So 
Uh, I can see credence to the diminishing returns theory, and if you look at his stock to flow multiple, the white dots at the bottom of the chart, it would seem to indicate that um, fairly clearly. Anyway, if that is the case, we should have hit our we should have hit our cycle peak already. Either way, um, the, the traditional four-year cycle has been what uh, six to eighteen months after the halving. You see a, a run up to the euphoric um, peak. That time is long past. If we had followed the cycle, we should have seen a we should have seen the all-time high sometime around last fall, which is exactly what we did. Um, so there's nothing inconsistent about that. Um, and other than a few curveballs like the Elon pumping crash and then the March 2020 everything crash, the pattern cycle is pretty much consistent, pretty much exactly where it should have been. I personally think the crypto winner last time around in 2018, you know, that was that that quote unquote that time was different. And there were things going on that 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 crypto winner that made things a lot worse. There were the hash wars, you know, that whole Bcash, Bitcoin SV bullshit um, that tanked Bitcoin really hard right before, um, you know, it, it, things have kind of plateaued off in the eight to $10,000 range and then it tanked it down to three. Um, but if you zoom out, um, you can see that it looks like that um, cycle should have smoothed out in the eight to $10,000 range. And then there was the hash war crash. Uh, and that's, well, not a black swan event. It is an exception to the rule. Um, so, you shouldn't expect something like that to happen every four you're having. So maybe we are at or near the bottom or maybe some, you know, shenanigans will happen and we'll have an exact repeat. But only time will tell. You know, the four-year cycle is a hindsight um, thing. I mean, in, it's it's been true in hindsight only. Uh, all data, all statistics are true in hindsight. Um and I guess we won't know, but we are only two years away from the next halving. Less than two years away, if you look at the estimate, I think the next halving is supposed to happen in April of 2024. So only 23 months away, and then I guess we'll know for sure. All right. Um, I guess that was the bad news. Now on to the, some of the good news. Well, to recap of last week's great news, as I said, some of the news that was shrugged off last week was, you know, of course, Fidelity allowing the announcement that Fidelity is going to allow Bitcoin and 401ks, the Central African Republic making Bitcoin legal tender, the Bitcoin jungle in Costa Rica announcement, all things we talked about in the last couple episodes. If you're not familiar with it, please go back and listen and please go back and consider listening using Podcasting 2.0 if you feel so inclined. Um, there have been articles about the soaring Bitcoin use in Cuba with headlines like Cuba approves cryptocurrency services and 100,000 Cubans using Bitcoin. But in addition to last week's great news, the adoption news just keeps coming. Today, for example, Wisdom Tree, who manages nearly $79 billion in assets and has a Bitcoin spot ETF pending. Uh, of course, the deadline for that is May 15th. And if the SEC does what we know the SEC is going to do, it will be denied. And I think Wisdom Tree is preparing for that denial because they announced that they're preparing to get into Bitcoin with or without ETF approval. They will be offering, quote, seven different cryptos to financial advisors in separately managed accounts. Uh, allegedly, they are already piloting these accounts and expect an announcement, quote, later this year on expanding access. Wisdom Tree CEO Jonathan Steinberg told Barron's in an interview that while Bitcoin ETFs are increasingly available in Europe, quote, 
we don't see that anywhere near on the horizon and that crypto exchange traded products in the United States may not be the wrapper with which the customer truly accesses crypto. So it looks like they're maybe not giving up on ETFs, but they're certainly preparing a workaround and that they want to get into Bitcoin one way or another. And uh, it sounds like they're doing that. So we've got Fidelity adding Bitcoin. you got Wisdom Tree adding Bitcoin. Also, uh, in the pro news, but I guess it's more like a... It's more like a, a walk back on the bad news. The newly elected pro-Bitcoin president of South Korea has vowed to at least delay some of their pending Bitcoin regulation and taxation. You know, as it is, they had uh, some laws that were passed recently that were going to jack taxation up on, on Bitcoin, amongst other things, with the president-elect saying, quote, taxation of investment income from virtual assets should be done after investor protections are in place vowing to do everything he can to delay that Bitcoin regulation. So um, that's a little bit of good news there as well. All right. Uh, I guess that's enough of the news. Why are we here today on Wednesdays? We're here today on Wednesdays because Wednesdays are DCA Wednesdays or dollar cost averaging Wednesdays. As you know, we've been stacking $20 of the Bitcoin every Wednesday since July 28th. If you don't know what DCA is, DCA is short for dollar cost averaging. And dollar cost averaging is an investment strategy where you invest your money in equal portions at regular intervals, regardless of price. For example, this will be our 41st stack. Again, we started on July 28th and we stacked 40 times so far. Uh, our regular interval being Wednesdays and our regular, um, our regular portion being $20. We chose $20 for a couple of reasons. A, I chose $20 because uh, it's just relentless on Bitcoin, Twitter, and Reddit, etc. You see people every day saying, is it too late to get into Bitcoin? Or I only have $50, or I only have $100. Is it even worth investing? Um, almost always you see in the reply, DCA is the way. People recommending DCA, DCA, DCA. And while this is not investment advice, and while you should never take investment advice from internet strangers... I figured um, I would give this a try, and I'd give it a try in a public manner by doing this podcast and stacking $20 every Wednesday um, to show two things, that even stacking just $20 a week can add up, that 20 bucks eventually will be real money, and that it is not too late. And also to test out whether DCA was really a smart way uh, to invest in Bitcoin. Um, DCA obviously is a long-time investment strategy. It's not new to Bitcoin. The old saying that time in the markets beats timing the markets every time it's tried. Uh, pretty much everybody out there knows someone, at least, who's gotten wrecked trying to trade the market. You know, it seems like every time um, every time the market goes up, people FOMO in, fear of missing out, and then they end up buying the top, and then, uh, then it starts dropping, and they either sell or they try and buy the dip, and they end up catching the falling knife, so to speak. And uh, end up, you know, Bitcoin end up go ends up going significantly lower than where than the than the dip they thought they were buying. And so the idea of dollar cost averaging is that smooths everything out for you. You're going to buy the highs and you're going to buy the lows and you're going to buy everything in between. But that over time, your average cost basis is going to beat the return you would got you would have gotten if you uh, were going to try and time the market and trade. Um, and again. This is a long-term play. We've only been doing this since July, so 
it's way too early to draw any conclusions, but um, we're going to keep it up, and we're going to continue today by stacking another $20, and every time we stack, you know, we've been using the Cash App, and they do not sponsor this show. In fact, they don't even give me a custom referral code. Uh, we do have a referral code. It is in the show notes. If you don't have the Cash App and you would like to use the Cash App, uh, please consider clicking on that link and using that referral code. Uh, if you do, you'll get five bucks free just for signing up and following the little terms and conditions, which I don't think are very restrictive. It's basically just sign up and use it. Uh, anyway, you'll get $5 and we'll get $5 and that'll help us both out. Uh, but either way, um, pick an app that, that you like. Cash App's cool because it's really easy. Um, it does have a, about a two and a quarter percent fee, uh, but that's fairly negligible when you're talking about a $20 investment. If I were investing 10 grand or so, I would certainly want to use maybe more of a quote-unquote professional exchange where you can put in an, a, an order and, and not pay any fee or pay uh, as, you know, a, a percentage of a, a fraction of a percentage fee. But um, that's a different story. Uh, and for people like us, Cash App makes this super easy. In fact, they will automate your stack for you. You can set it and forget it, set up an amount and set up an interval, and they'll, they'll, they'll take care of that for you. Um, I'm a glutton for punishment. I like to follow the numbers and I like to make my purchases manually and we're doing it on a podcast. So, uh, it would just seem silly to do a podcast talking about what something that happened overnight automatically on its own. So we are going to make our purchase. We're going to make our purchase manually. We're going to do so using cash app. And one of the cool things about cash app is I do not keep any money on the cash app, uh, but they make it really easy to add money. I have a debit card link to the, uh, to the cash app. And I can add cash that is available to spend immediately and to withdraw immediately. And that is another advantage Cash App offers over a lot of other exchanges where they either won't let you invest your money, your actual U.S. dollars that you've wired directly to them that they hold for five days or so before they'll let you do anything with it, or they'll be so generous as to let you make a purchase, but then they basically freeze that purchase for a week or however long, depending on the exchange, and won't let you do anything with it until they're satisfied that you were good for your money. Uh, cash App doesn't play those games. So uh, while I've been yammering, I've already added 20 bucks to my Cash App and it is there and ready to purchase. And all I have to do is hit the little Bitcoin button in the bottom logo, tap buy, enter $20, click next. It is going to ask me to confirm. And boom, just like that, I have purchased another 49,218 sats at a price of $39,721.24. That brings our total stash up to 1,743,608 sats, and it lowers our average cost basis again to $47,028.92. That's down $185.71 from just last week. Um, that is the neat thing about dollar cost average while the market's going down. Uh, we're buying cheaper and it's lowering our average cost. So last week, our average cost basis was $47,214.63. Uh, we're down now $185.71 to $47,028.92. Uh, last week's purchase dropped at $219 as well. So as Bitcoin's been going down, our cost has been trending down. We're stacking more sats for our dollar. Um, and that is pretty cool. Um, so we've invested a total of $820 right now. We're a little bit underwater, 
because we have purchased Bitcoin all the way up at its all-time high. I think we purchased, uh, we, our most expensive purchase was back in October. We bought as high as $65,969.29. And we purchased as inexpensively as $36,472.52. So this is getting pretty darn close to our cheaper end, uh, $39,000 versus $36,000. So um, if Bitcoin stays lower, we're going to we're going to make our make our stack a little bit more profitable. And if Bitcoin ever does go to the moon one day, let's say it hits that mythical $1 million a coin mark, this stash will be worth $17,436.08 and nobody could argue with a return like that. All right. Well, before we go, I just wanted to once again thank everybody that has been supporting the show. Uh, by using podcasting 2.0 that that is super cool maybe i'll see some more strats sats stream in tonight that would be just awesome if you feel like you've gotten some value from listening we do appreciate that please follow us on twitter we are at btc bulletin pod on twitter and we also have a youtube page a youtube channel where we have video versions of our podcasts hopefully in the future we might have some other video uh, projects as well but right now it's basically we have video versions which is basically just me, but with some graphics and some data overlaid. Uh, nothing super special, but some people prefer to watch on YouTube. Um, and again, you can support us directly through the anchor.fm support link. Also, as I mentioned, if you're listening on your favorite app, on your favorite podcasting 2.0 app, such as Fountain, uh, you can stream us sats or hit that boost button. If podcasting 2.0 isn't your thing and you are following us on Twitter, we are set up to accept tips on Twitter. Again, we're at BTC Bullet and Pod. As I mentioned, we have that Cash App referral link in the show notes. If you don't have Cash App and you want to use it, please consider using that link. Five bucks free for doing so isn't a bad thing, and, uh, and that'll help us out. I did not mention the Strike app, but we also have a referral code in the show links for Strike. Uh, if you don't have Strike, Strike is a super cool way to spend U.S. dollars instead of spending your stash. If you want to pay somebody in Bitcoin, but you don't want to drain your stack, um, you can actually have U.S. dollars, and Strike does the dirty work for you, and you can pay a Bitcoin or Lightning invoice, and whoever's getting paid will be getting paid in Bitcoin. They won't know you paid in U.S. dollars, and it won't trigger that nasty capital gains event because you never technically uh, held Bitcoin. For me, the most important thing is I don't want to ever sell my Bitcoin, and if I, I like supporting the Bitcoin economy, they say use Bitcoin, get that circular economy going, that's the best way to help Bitcoin is to actually use it. Uh, and so that's one way to do so. I can use it by paying for things in Bitcoin, but not actually touching my stash. If you don't have Strike and you click on that referral link in the show notes, you'll get 10 bucks from them just for signing up. Also, as I have mentioned before, I have written several books, including Understanding Bitcoin for Noobs. My books are available at Amazon.com and BarnesandNoble.com. If you feel so inclined, um, understanding Bitcoin for Noobs is a short but simple guide that goes over the basics of Bitcoin, everything that your mom probably would like to know about Bitcoin. Uh, if it's not super technical, like anything like uh, Mastering Bitcoin or Mastering Lightning by Andreas, um, it is a book for the common person, as it says in the title. It's Understanding Bitcoin for Noobs. And again, purchasing any of my books would help us out as well. Last but not least, we have a base 32 address in the notes if you'd like to contribute Bitcoin. If you're watching on YouTube, you might notice that QR code in the bottom left-hand corner. Uh, you can contribute that way as well. 
And again, if you want to contact us, you can always get a hold of us on Twitter, where again, we're at BTC Bulletin Pod. And if you would like to email me, my email address is bitcoinbulletin at protonmail.com. Once again, thank you for listening and keep stacking those sats, you sexy sat stackers.